0: And welcome to episode 29 of The List Makers. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And we're going to dive into this one because tonight our topic, Drawn from the Hat of Rassilon, is top five 1960 stories. Rob and I are both going to make a list, then we're going to have a chat about it. Rob, it's your turn to go first, but I'm going to ask you straight out now. Now, you know that this is an era that I love. Yes. You know some of the stories that I love. Yes. How many snaps do you reckon we've got this time?
1: I ugh, I want to say at least two, but I'm going to push the boat out and say three.
0: I reckon we could easily have three as well.
1: Really? Okay. Because listeners, we don't confer before the show.
0: No, we absolutely don't. Anyway, we have a lot to talk about. We have all of the 1960s to talk about. Rob, what's your list?
1: Dave, before we start, I will just comment too that in this list, I've picked stories that anyone can go and watch properly not animations or recons or audios i set that as a little challenge for myself and also to help me sort of tighten up the list in some ways
0: okay the probability of us having three snaps just dropped quite a bit
1: (laughs) i think i know what you've picked then anyway in at number five i've gone with the romans And I'm going to start with this one because it's not just an historical story, but it's a funny one too. So not only do we get a staple here of the first Doctor's era being an historical, it's also one that's no hardship to watch either. So that's a win-win. And although the actor's feeling shouldn't come into what I pick here, I do note that Hartnell particularly loved this as it let him do comedy. It's a favourite of William Russell too. There's just a good feeling around this story, Dave. And again, it's an historical you can watch. It exists. It's not Marco Polo. It's not the massacre. And it's not the myth makers in that respect, even though I love all of those stories too. Fair enough. In at number four, I've got the Tomb of the Cybermen. This might surprise some people because there has been this kind of perceived backlash. Well, maybe backlash is too strong a word, but there's been an idea of pushback on this one in recent times, like it's not as good as people thought, even though it's maintained its position in DWM polls and such. We were talking about this on Twitter just the other day, Dave. We were. Anyway, I remember when it was found, it was like, oh God, oh Jesus Christ, they've found tomb. Tomb. And maybe some of that excitement still lives within me. It's excitement that a new fan today wouldn't have. They, they just weren't around when that happened. When it happened, it was seriously big news. But I genuinely think outside of that, that this is a really ambitious, interesting 60s adventure. Uh, I thought that at the time. I still think it now. I also do love Cybermen, which some listeners might know. But yeah, look, the whole thing just resonates with me. So draw a line under that, Tomb of the Cybermen. In at number three, I've got The Dalek Invasion of Earth. I can't talk Cybermen without talking Daleks, and indeed I can't talk the 1960s without talking Daleks, especially given that whole small matter of Dalek mania and all that. So as much as I love The Chase, and obviously the Dalek master plan is sprawling but missing. Do you remember my criteria? I do. This one is just, wow. Wow. It's no longer the Daleks on their home planet Somewhere out there in time and space This is Daleks on Earth It's such an ambitious story I love it It's almost like a B-movie in some ways With aliens coming to Earth and wreaking havoc So, look We're truly spoiled for choice with 60s Dalek stories But this is going to be it for me on this list In at number two I've got The Invasion And I'm being a bit naughty And slipping in another (laughs) Cyberman story to my list And not only that but this one's partially missing too. <laughs> but it's so... <laughs> you really
0: wanted to have this one, didn't I you? really... Yeah,
1: I did. I did, I did. Uh, and it's so different to Tomb. So it's not a retread of the same thing. We're in contemporary locations here. We have the rise of electronics in the real world as a sort of theme. We have unit, we have what some like to say is a first run at the Pertwee era. It's an amazing thing to watch. So without hesitation, even though it's slightly ever so much a little bit missing, I think this one lands very solidly in the number two position.
0: You're number one. I don't know where you're going to (laughs) go because all the obvious ones don't meet your criteria. So Mm. I'm really fascinated. Go for it.
1: I surprised myself by picking this one, Dave, but when I picked it, it seemed so obvious. I wanted another Pat story. And here we have, sitting on the shelf, this huge, sprawling epic, which I can watch more easily than a six-parter. How does that work, Dave? I am, of course, talking about the war games.
0: I was I was writing it in as you were describing it. Okay. Like, I knew exactly where that was going.
1: Ten episodes of this, and I feel less fatigued than a six-parter from the Pertwee or Baker era. And that's, <laughs> and that's not hyperbole. I'm being honest. It just rattles along. Lots happening in each episode. Then we get to the Time Lords at the end, and that's very interesting stuff. The way Zoe and Jamie depart is a real gut punch, a real new who sort of thing to do, actually. And so for the fact it's very watchable and the fact it's epic and the fact it introduces us to the Doctor's people at long last and the fact it's the last hurrah of the black and white era, I can't go past putting the war games in at number one. Lovely. Thank you. How many steps did we have? We had two. Two. There you go. Almost three.
0: Yeah, almost three. Um, and look... Two of your others were in my list of runners-up to talk about, so there is a fair bit of overlap there. Okay. But onto my list. Now, when I put together and make a list for the list makers there is a part of me that sort of wants to make sure there's a bit of variety in there and i you know, I, I do sort of look and go if like if i covered all the different aspects of this topic and gone in some different places and maybe that's a good reason to put that on and not that and all the rest of it and this one i i looked at my list and i just thought it's it's a very obvious and very boring list in some ways but it's mine mm-hmm. and i'm just going with the heart so uh We'll find out what that says about me in a moment.
1: Oh, your heart, not Heartnell. No, well. <laughs> not like well, the there, Pert and the Heart and
0: No, no, the although Trout? there is there is plenty of Heartnell in there. Okay. Uh at number five, uh, the first of our snaps, it is Trouton's Tomb of the Cybermen. Nice. This is one of the easiest Doctor Who stories to watch. Yes. I put on Tomb of the Cybermen, and I am just Engrossed. I'm drawn into that adventure. The way that it starts outside with that wonderful location filming, then you get into the tombs, and then you start to explore, and it's, there's stuff in the shadows and and everything. And look, I can remember when we got the Cyberman book that had colour paintings illustrations Mm. of the inside of the tombs and i just thought this looks spectacular and and it looks great on screen and then you've got that wonderful episode two cliffhanger of the cyberman emerging you've got great characters look it's not perfect Uh, again toberman is a very dodgy character we won't talk too much about that we'll acknowledge it but move on i will i will defend any plot hole that people put up in this story i just think that it's just so great to watch i love it brilliant Number four is my second Troughton, and that is Evil of the Daleks. Yeah. It is available on animation now. And look, this to me is the culmination of the 60s Dalek stories. It is a proper epic that starts in 60s London, goes to the Victorian era, and then ends off over at Scarrow. Each element of the story does not outstay its welcome. It keeps moving on and on and on there's a real feeling here that the Daleks maybe are going to win this one. They, they are in control for most of the story, really right up until the last moment. And there's that wonderful relationship between the Doctor and Jamie, which is just one of the best characterized of the run. And then you end with The Visit to Skaro, the epic Emperor Dalek, possibly my favorite cliffhanger at the end of part six, and then the Dalek Civil War. What more do you want from a story?
1: it's pretty epic.
0: It is. Number three is one that I think listeners will probably have guessed was going to be on my list, and that is Marco Polo, the first of the historicals, and another truly epic story that takes us halfway across a continent as we explore China or Cathay as it is in those days and end up at Peking. Hmm. It's so poetically written it's so brilliantly acted it has such wonderful characters the regulars all get a chance to shine Tagana is a wonderful villain Marco is a wonderful anti-hero Kublai Khan is hilarious it's just so so wonderful and what we can see of the production looks absolutely gorgeous so it is my favorite of the historicals makes it at number three mm. number two is the Daleks master plan How good is this? This is space opera. This is the Daleks with an army across a universe. This is just a new adventure every week. This is Nicholas Courtney and Gene Marsh. This is the jungles of Kemble, And this is that final terrifying finale of the story as the time destructor is put on. And they pull no punches in this one. This is just properly exciting adventure for 12 weeks. Number one, it's my favourite Dalek story. It's my favourite Hartnell story, and that is The Dalek Invasion of Earth. It's a snap from you, Rob. Yes. What more can I say? But again, this just feels like a proper adventure. It is grim. It is nasty. It evokes all of that World War II type vibe with mm. Daleks then over the top of it. it. It's a proper invasion of the world. It's not just an invasion of London. It's a proper invasion of the world, but it's got that wonderful London filming in it. Again, great characters, great regulars. The relationship between David and Susan that just grows over time. The Black Dalek, uh, the mercenaries, and then that wonderful ending with the Hartnell monologue at the end and the goodbye to Susan. Just from start to finish, it just again draws me in.
1: Nice. Nice, Dave
0: so look my my list is a lot of Daleks and a lot of Cybermen Mm
1: -hmm. mine had its share of it too (laughs)
0: so look I, I think I think those those stories with those classic monsters are classics for reasons
1: they define the 60s as do historicals and we got some of those in as well
0: yeah and look you had the Romans on your list I had Marco Polo on my list had I had a sixth I would have had the Aztecs. I really wanted to put the Aztecs in there, and I didn't cheat by having six, but if I had, it would have been the Aztecs. On my list of honourable mentions, I also had the Romans. Uh, I could very easily have had the Mythmakers. So there are some really good historicals in there. But but yeah, I, I think that you're right. The The 60s is defined by those monsters, and I think there is a feeling, particularly with the Daleks, that when the Daleks come on board, the show wants to do its best, they go and get Douglas Canfield to direct it if they can. They go and spend a bit of extra money. They go and do some location filming. Uh, they get a big, you know, a guest cast like, hey, do you want to come do one with the Daleks? It's going to be big. Everyone's going to watch it. Yeah, there's a real sense of everybody rising for the occasion when the Daleks come on. Another one on my shortlist that was a snap with you was Invasion. Again, yes. if I was just doing Troutons, the next story would have been The Invasion
1: oh how can it not be it's it's bloody bloody brilliant but to go back to the daleks i mean i I mentioned this small thing we had called dalek mania i mean that (laughs) that can't be understated and that that would be underpinning their reasoning for for pushing the boat out on these stories you know they know what an effect this is having out there it's like bloody beetle mania people are nutty for these things there there are all sorts of confectionaries and toys and it's it's extraordinary. I mean, we can sort of look in the, in. I was going to say in the history books, that sounds very grand, doesn't it? But I mean, Doctor Who reference books and things like that. We can look at pictures of even William Hartnell sitting at home with a bunch of toy Daleks on his coffee table and things like this. But I I still don't think we can appreciate what it would have been like to have been a school kid in the UK in, say, 1964, 65, and just thinking about Daleks and playing with Daleks and and all of that. Like, what an extraordinary thing. They just ingrained themselves in UK culture, uh, pop culture, and they've just remained there. Even when the show went off the air, everyone still knew what a Dalek was.
0: Yeah, and when you think about it, it's sort of hard to believe... There were six Dalek stories in four years, yeah. and they were and they were all lengthy ones. You know, nothing's nothing's a four-parter there, but but that that almost pales next to the Cybermen who get five stories in what two and a bit years.
1: Yeah, they they really go overboard there to to the degree that Pertwee doesn't get a Cyberman story.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but look, no, I mean they are they are classics. They are era defining, and that's really important. I'm really glad you got the War Games in, and uh, number one, that's a that's a. I'm not saying it's a big call, it's a wonderful call, but it's a it's a it's a what's the word? It's an epic call.
1: Well well epic is the right word. Thank you for the segue, because you know, when you think of epics you think Dalek's Master Plan, but it doesn't exist, so it can't make my list. What what is the next epic after that? It it has to be the war games, you know? And when you throw in all those things I was saying at the very end that it is the last hurrah of the black and white era, you know, it is the first time we meet the time lords it although it felt very funny to put it there it also felt very right to put it there once I put it there I thought this is like the culmination of the 60s if we're talking the 60s this is literally the culmination of the 60s Dave and it's a big epic story so I felt very comfortable once I had the thought once I had the thought I couldn't not have the thought if that makes sense
0: Look, absolutely, and it does the same thing a number of the epic stories we've talked about do, whether it's Master Plan, Marco Polo, which is the story does move, as in physically move. Yes. You you start off thinking we've arrived in World War One. Okay, the show's doing World War One. That's, that's fair enough. That's cool. And then suddenly the general's got a scanner behind his portrait and suddenly something's arriving and it's making a TARDIS like sound. And Mm -hmm. suddenly there are Romans and okay. And then, then suddenly we're in the headquarters of the aliens and then it just sort of builds and builds and it grows and grows. We get more characters. And when they, they start to do the, the takedown of the aliens, it feels as though this is a proper army coming in, you know, with, with, with attacks in all the different time zones all being coordinated. Yeah. And then by sort of part eight, you start to get this feeling this is getting bigger and bigger. The warlord arrives and suddenly it's like, wow, this is getting serious. And then the stuff with the War Chief and the doctor and then, no, you can't send for the Time Lords. No, think of what they'll do. And it's like the doctor's sending for the Time Lords? Mm. And then there's half an episode of just trying to escape them and suddenly you're on Gallifrey. So at no point do you really plot along just sort of chilling out look maybe there's a little bit too long in the American Civil War zone in the middle but that's that's you know nothing compared to as you said a few of the Pertwee six partners
1: <laughs> you know you know what scene I love yeah Run, running back to the TARDIS in slow motion and not making it yes yes Oh, it's good.
0: Yeah, that that is one and and Dudley Simpson just pulls out all the stops for that. He obviously's popped down to the local church to get the organ or something and <laughs> Oh, just just absolutely wonderful, absolutely epic. And and I think that it's one that the more people who see it, the more people love it. I think that's really, really clear.
1: Yeah, I think the length might put some people off. Like they've thought of maybe a few ropey sixties stories they've watched and they think, Oh god, I struggled with that four parter the other week this is 10 oh my god and it may be something they they never want to watch but it's absolutely one to watch it uh, again i watch this easier than a six-parter easily
0: yeah no no it's it's very easy to just keep watching i think all all the nominations we have uh on are at the other end of the scale though uh, my final honorable mention i just want to have is the rescue i'm extremely fond of that i think it's wonderfully directed it's it's probably the best 45 minutes of Hartnell. Uh, I, I just really, really love it. And it gives us Vicky as well.
1: I wish there were more 60s two-parters. Mm. I really do. I would I would love that. Like how in the Devo era, you've got these three two-parters that often go under the radar too. You know, people forget there there are three two-parters in Devo's era. Yes, there are. Yeah, Imagine the, if the 60s had three or four of them as well.
0: Yeah, but the, but the Davo two-parters are all terrible, Rob. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hang on hang on <laughs>
0: that's not the topic tonight <laughs>
1: I've got a soft spot for black orchid but we won't go into that <laughs>
0: no look rob i think we've got there a really good representation of what the 60s was and what really stood out for it as you said it's the big historicals it's the epics and it's monsters
1: yeah and with my list you can pull them off the shelf and watch them today kids
0: Yes, you can't do that with mine, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> not, not all of your list anyway.
0: No, no, that's fair enough. Look, I've really enjoyed that. We've talked about some real favourite stories of mine. But it is time to reach into Turlough's Head of Wrestling again.
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: And we have got... Uh, this one was sent in by listener Bill McCann third. Oh,
1: from the US, yeah?
0: From the US, and it is top five production members You'd repair. Not repair as in put back together, repair as in... Pair two different production people up together.
1: Ooh, from from any era. From
0: any era, mixing and matching production people—that's a really interesting topic, Bill. And um, I have no idea where I'm going to go, but I've got a month to think about it.
1: <laughs> As do I. I'm going to give this some thought.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to wander in spontaneously, Rob. That would be dangerous. Especially Hi, what with are you this doing topic. Tonight, Dave? Yeah. Especially with this topic. Look, that's been fun. I've enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to next month. Until then, I've been Dave. I've been Rob. And we'll make some more lists soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye.